Patrick, I said before we came on, I want the tea from Patrick Paolini on the Fetterman Oz one night only. You got another new show on Fox 5 we got to talk about. We do. Uh, and then what else happened? I mean, there's sports to cover. But let's, where do you want to start? I think we have to start with the Fetterman Oz debate last night, which. All over social know, media. To, to set the stage, you know, clearly one of the most important Senate races in the country. John Fetterman, former mayor of Braddock, sitting lieutenant governor, um, is running against Dr. Oz, you know, famous TV doctor, I mean, real doctor, heart surgeon up in New York, and then TV doctor. Uh, Fetterman at one point probably had in the neighborhood of six to eight point lead against Oz, maybe more depending on the polls. He had a stroke about five or six months ago, um, took time away from the campaign, slowly came back. Uh, has been very coy or cautious about releasing medical records. Hasn't released medical records, only a letter from a doctor that he was, uh, is able to perform his duties, whatever that means. So over the last several weeks, the uh, Fetterman has struggled in certain interviews. A particular one we discussed was the interview with Dasha Burns several weeks back, MSNBC reporter who said that Fetterman really didn't understand what she was saying in the, in the pre-interview before the actual interview. Uh, liberal pundits, other so-called you know, fair journalists came out and attacked her attacked her credibility. Um, others came out and said, oh, yeah, they've had meetings with him and he's fine and yada, yada. Last night, uh, the only debate, by the way, that Fetterman would agree to, and uh, it's kind of late to have your only debate on October 25th. Early voting started several weeks ago. It's estimated about a four to 500,000 people already voted in Pennsylvania. So that's kind of the... It could not have been more of a disaster for John Fetterman um, on, on, on numerous levels. So also, uh, both campaigns agreed that Fetterman would be able to look at a closed caption screen. Actually, both candidates were able to look at it because that's what they negotiated. So for Fetterman to actually even participate in the debate, he needed a closed caption screen to know what the questions are because, you know, uh, the audi audible-ness uh, of, if that's a word, I don't know. So, you know, to process that, he needed to read the questions. Okay. I actually felt bad for him last night. Like, all kid, like, total, I felt sad for him. I felt sad for his handlers. He should not have been on that stage. He should not be running for senator. He's clearly, in my personal, non- medical opinion just based on what i witnessed last night he's not fit healthy he should be recovering he 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 couldn't he couldn't articulate he was responding with words that didn't necessarily correlate to the question he was confused he couldn't really form a sentence in most cases um you actually have to, and 
you know, reading, I read, I've read so many articles on the debate. I, you know, I, I try to find those, you know, as many, you know, down the middle journalists that you can find who assessed the, the performance last night, the debate, his cognitive health has to be in question. And, you know, I was watching one neurologist who was on a channel saying, and again, they haven't certainly haven't um, um, examined him or examined they're not him. his doctor. Right, right, right. right. They disclose. But they're saying it's five, six months, right? I mean, this could be where it is, right? Strokes cause permanent damage. And, you know, clearly they are trying to just prop him up. Hopefully he pulls out the win, which will help them either keep the majority or, you know, uh, grow the majority. And, you know, then what happens? Does he step down? They, they know that they're going to get a Democratic governor in Josh Shapiro. He's way ahead. Uh, so then the governor would appoint, you know, uh, right, someone government's else. replacement, and then they eventually they'd have a special election. So, uh, listen, I've said this before. Oz is not the best candidate. But it could not have gone worse. I, I mean, I literally was watching it and I felt sad for everyone involved. This guy should be home. He should be in a hospital. He should be recovering. He should be getting treatment. He should be doing all of that, whatever that is, from a medical professional standpoint. He should not be on the stage debating to be a Pennsylvania senator. Well, he's probably doing a lot of those rehab things. But, yeah, it was pretty clear. And I think, too, wasn't last night or the day before, you know, Fetterman's people put out a statement kind of, I think, prepping everybody for low expectations. And And by the way, they they should have just sent out nothing because it was as low. They sent out low expectations or trying to set the stage for low, low expectations. And it was even lower than that. Like, that's how bad it was for Fetterman. I mean, and even like, you know, anonymous Democratic high-ranking officials are quoted as saying just disastrous, should have not debated him, would have been better off just saying, you know what, can't debate. I mean, you know, you got the Arizona uh, Governor Hobbs who's not debating Carrie Lake and hoping that somehow she survives by not uh, facing off on a debate stage. You know, say what you want about Oz as a candidate. He's been intelligent for what, 20, 30 oh, yeah. years. I mean, he's he's polished, amazing. looked directly at the camera. Oz did one thing very well last night. He didn't smirk. He didn't make fun of Fetterman, nor should you. Listen, Fetterman had a, a tragic stroke. It's a shame. I feel bad for him. I didn't think he was a good candidate prior. But even put all the policy stuff aside, he's not fit. He's just not fit. And and you could tell because even the most, you know, you know, even the most staunch left-leaning pundits that you normally see coming out, they're even having a tough time defending that last night. Now they're saying, well, you know, it's okay to be disabled. And like, like they're trying to spin it somehow that anyone who questions his fitness for office is somehow making fun of disabled people. Or that it's okay to have, you know, and or they're just saying it's about the speech. 
it wasn't just about the speech. If you watch it, he could not, he didn't understand the questions or he understood them and couldn't then cognitively respond and was just in some cases throwing out words that just, he literally opened up the debate. Hi, good night. I know. Yeah, it was real. I, I mean, mean you're right. It's hard I, it to watch. Sad. It was sad that, you know, this, this, this person, this man was put, and I'm sure he wants to be a senator. I'm sure that certainly the Democrats don't want to acquiesce the, the, the Senate to the Republicans because of uh, the fact that Fetterman had a stroke. But um, ah, we'll see. You know what? The, the, the saving grace for, for the Dems and Fetterman might be that 500,000 people approximately already, approximately 500,000 people already voted. Uh, but the race is tight. Um, you know, the odds makers who, you know, you could bet on these races uh, moved uh, it to uh, uh, likely Oz win last night after debate. Uh, WPXI local station of Pittsburgh did a poll after the debate. And again, not scientific, but, you know, a poll. And it was 82% for Oz, 18% for Fetterman. There was another station that interviewed a bunch of uh, going in, claimed they were on the fence. All 10 went and said they have to now vote for us. So is that enough to, you know, in the last, you know, what what are we now, 12 days? Excuse me. Bless yes. You. Thanks. Is that enough to move it definitely into the Oz column? I don't know. We'll see. I think it's going to be too close to call. It'll be probably a recount if it's that close. But, uh, and then, you know, I think in the last week, okay, it's moving even more than I thought toward the Republicans. Talk to me. I mean, that's what you're reading. That's you're what we're reading. What's, what's it's going on? It's not just on? reading. You're seeing it. I mean, the New Hampshire Senate race incumbent Democratic senator way ahead or what appeared to be way ahead uh, so much so that the Republican senatorial committee and the, they moved money out of New Hampshire to other races. Now polls have it as a toss up too close to call. They've moved money back into New Hampshire. They're defending the Democrats are defending in Oregon. They're probably, it looks like, going to lose Nevada. Herschel Walker now, in most polls, has the lead. That's like unbelievable. Average, average polling. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, you know, the articles I've read are now citing like all of a sudden people, economy, a big, huge economy, 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 and yeah. crime, which I mean, you know, we've all talked about. You and I have talked about on this podcast so for the past the, six the months. So the super smart person on this podcast, one of us, said a few weeks ago. <laughs> okay, which one? Who? Both of us <laughs> said, as you get closer to an election, the abortion issue is baked in. It's already baked in to the numbers. Um, and as you get closer, it's kitchen, so-called kitchen table issues that could swing person one way or the other. Gas prices have ticked up earlier in September, late September, recently slightly ticked down, but still, you know, that momentum coming out of the summer where they were dropping significantly, that was, was, uh, that momentum stopped in September. Uh, 
Inflation numbers were bad again. Crime in major cities continues to be an issue. And I think the Republicans have done a great job putting that front and center. Uh, economy, inflation, crime, and uh, borders. And, you know, there was some polling done last week, the top issues that Americans care about. And it was economy, inflation, crime, and and borders, abortion were like fourth, fifth. And then they asked, what party do you think is more focused on these issues or will do a better job with these issues? And it was like 63% Republican and it was all those major issues. So, you know, in these tight races, how you're being personally impacted, that's going to move you one way or the other. And um, it it just feels like it's moving toward the Republicans. I mean, who, who knows? Um, polling, again, you know, last several cycles hasn't been the most reliable. Historically, uh, I shouldn't say historically, in more recent cycles, the polling, if wrong, moves toward the Republicans. Um, the general, con- the general uh, congressional ballot, House ballot polling has the Republicans up two to three now, which, you know, the Dems, based on how the districting and, and, and the races that they're, they're, they're fighting, that probably has to be about even or plus two for the Dems for them to have a chance. And now they're down two to three. Uh, Politico, I think it was well, not Politico, Cook Report about a week ago had their projection that the Republicans would hold the House or, ha- or take over the House by 10 to 20. Okay. House seats. They've since moved that up to 14 to 28. Wow. Wow. So I I think as we sit here 12 weeks out, 12 weeks, 12 days out, uh, Republicans definitely take over the House. I think that's, it it might be, it would probably be the most, it would be the largest political upset, even larger than Trump winning 2016. If, the Democrats somehow held on to the House. I think the House is gone. The question is just how many seats. What's Kevin McCarthy's majority going to look like? Because most likely he'll be the House Speaker. The Senate, I told you a few weeks ago, I think it will be 50-50 again, maybe 51-49 Dem. I'm now saying 51-49 Republican. I think the Republicans win the Senate. Wow. I think the... Mitch McConnell becomes uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader McConnell once again. Wow. And I think that the last two years of the Biden administration's over because I think the Republicans will have both chambers is my prediction today. So I think. Uh, wow, we will I th- see. All right. I think J.D. I think they win Nevada. They win Ohio. I think Oz wins and I think Herschel and Warnock go to a runoff and it won't matter because I think the them, the Republicans will already be at 51. But I think there's a good chance Herschel wins in, in Georgia. Um, I also read, you already said this, like in Pennsylvania, but I'm also reading, you know, record number of people voting ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, same, same in Georgia. 
So what is that? What do you think that means? I mean, isn't that interesting? Because for years, right, we've had all these get out the vote campaigns. And I mean, maybe they've really worked and been successful. But, you know, for a long time, a big complaint on media, you know, was like, people don't vote, people don't vote in the midterms. I mean, I do think it's interesting. People are, seem to really be active now in politics. Like, yeah, in our I think country. so, which, which I think does turnout usually favors the Dems. Okay. But I do think now that Trump's been I, out for I, two years, I think early voting, mail-in voting, I think the Republicans have realized, their ground games have realized that they have to embrace it, right? I feel Otherwise, like people are coming out, I don't know, in record numbers because listen, they're I'm unhappy. not a fan of voting a month out. I just don't, I think it's too early. I'm okay a week out, two weeks out. I think early voting should be maybe a week in advance. I'm I'm not a proponent. Too many things can change. Too many things happen. Um, I I am not a proponent where you get a month to vote. I'm just not. Um, I kind of like that. I mean, look in California, our ballots were so long. You need like a week to research all these people. I mean, so, you know, you're voting on judges, yeah. all this stuff. It's like you got to read about. You need uh, you know. Everybody's working. They have kids. Like you need two weeks to be able to read about these and, candidates. You know, there, there's a chance that the Dems lose Oregon's governor race. That wouldn't. Shock. I, I mean, I, would, after everything that's gone on there, does that shock you? I mean, yeah, well, there hasn't been. I don't. I believe it's been since the '90s that there hasn't been a Republican governor in Oregon. I told you, I, 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 I think, think California Lake, will go red. I think Carrie Lake in Arizona has a very good chance of winning that state. Hobbs is proving to just. You know, she doesn't want to debate. Um, you know, what's interesting, too, is, you know, how that we've talked about this, how the Democrats have spent money in primaries propping up more controversial Republicans, whether Trump endorsed or those who tend to be more right wing, believing that they would be an easier match for their general election candidate on the Democratic side. Well, there's a few of those elections that now look like there's a chance those more radical Republicans that they spent money to help win the primary are going to beat the Democratic candidate. And we said it's, it, it's a, I think, a shameful strategy, you know, to preach anti, you know, that the Republicans, many right wing Republicans are anti-democracy. And this is a, this is a, a, you know, one of the most important issues we'll ever face. And, and it's dangerous. And, and yet they spent money to help that candidate win the primary. And you know what, if a couple of them get elected, the, the Democrats deserve it for spending money to help get uh, a more right-wing or, or radical candidate elected in the primary. And then, you know, what may happen is they win the general election. So, uh, I, I mean, it's going to be so fascinating. I think, I think, I think, think all the momentum is with the Republicans right now, which, which is, uh, it's hard, it's like crazy to believe, but that, and then you have think. the president, you know, I'm jumping over because then you have the president, you know, getting his COVID shot telling people they have to get a booster, they have to get one a year. You know, you have candidates still not, you know, saying that they won't mandate children getting the vaccine. And, you know, almost three years later, 
They're still not understanding. Most of Americans have moved on from the pandemic. Most understand that they got vaccinated. They got the one booster. They're not getting their kids vaccinated. You could see it based on the percentage. I believe only three to 4% of children, six to four years old have been vaccinated. I think it's in the 30 or 40%, five and above. Uh, I think it's only, and again, I'm not sure about the number. I believe it's only 30 to 40% of Americans have gotten the specific new variant booster. Now compare that to where, you know, almost 80% of the country got both vaccinations and an initial booster. So even those who were pro-vaccine are making the conscious decision to not get a fourth or fifth booster. And I think they're right. I think they've rushed these things a little bit. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's immunity, there's other issues. It's not as severe. Um, you know, they're pushing the flu shot and the COVID shot. And, you know, Fox, we reported it the other day, but let me ask you this question. Ask away. I love According it. According to the CDC. Yeah. Last year's the 2021, 2022 okay. flu season vaccine, the flu vaccine, the flu shot. How effective was it at preventing serious illness or hospitalization? I don't know. It's only it's only ever like what forty percent effective or something. Yeah. It's sixteen percent last year. Yeah, yeah. And it was only twenty seven percent the year before. So so here they are pushing a flu shot that's only maybe twenty well, percent effective. Why are they doing that? Because when you go to your own doctor, your doctor says it. if unless you're very young or you're very old, you don't really need the flu shot. I mean, that's what no. my doctors have. It's a, they always said get it when I was pregnant. They said get it because you're immune compromised. Um, you know, and to me, I think we did a great job with the vaccine. I think it shows that if we need to in a pinch, like this country, like we have amazingly smart people that can come together and get the vaccine. Here, but here's the problem. The with, Democrats oh, sorry, won't. No, they, it's it's just they don't. They don't. It's like how they, they defund the police. And now they've yeah. backed away. They go all in so hard. It's on not these even social all issues. in. I think it, it's I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it's control, power. Right. Appeasement of unions, public sector unions. Uh, it's it's flawed messaging. Right now, what they should be saying is if you're 60 and over, you should continue to get boosters. Yes. Okay. And flu shot. If you're immunocompromised, you should get your shots. Everyone else, consider getting them, but stay safe. You know, whatever. Like... The problem now is that the CDC and the this administration's messaging has been so wrong in many cases and off. I, you, you do get concerned that the next health emergency, are people going to believe them? Are, you know that that's the question. They're, they're, you know when when DC's mandating vaccines for kids. Yeah, I know. It's it's it, I I can't explain it either. I mean, even you wonder like do these do their poor messaging come out of like initially wanting to help the country and then they just go so extreme. You know, again, I think I think people have moved on from the pandemic, but 
in a way, I don't think they have because I think that's going to impact our elections. You know, people are still pissed about. And oh, you just that, saw that's it. Absolutely. So you just I'm saw it in New York. So two two huge COVID related stories came out this week. One national fourth and eighth grade math testing came out. Horrific, horrific results. That's not an understatement. An overstatement. Horrific scores. Guess who was the worst, who had the largest increase of non-proficient students, District of Columbia. Number one, you know why? They were out the longest, right? You had Mayor Bowser, the DC public schools, the DC council, appeasing unions for way too long. Disenfranchised children, um, we said impacting, you know, uh, oh, children those of that color so much children I mean, of it, color, those who after, need to be in school. Uh, yes, they should have been uh, back. They should have been back in September of 20. They did not go back mostly until September of 21. Guess who is also in the top five, Maryland and Virginia. Look, nine this is out of the top nine, the... I believe it was nine out of the top 10 states and or the district were democratically run. I believe only Oklahoma was in the top 10. Mississippi was there also. Florida, by the way, didn't, didn't lose decrease. ground, didn't gain, gain ground. Yeah, same, right. I mean, they were flat, right? They were the national average. So listen, we've been saying this. We've been saying they, this. This is where they lose people. They, I'm this sorry. This is where they, they absolutely lose people. lose people. And you know what? The position is all the pandemic caused this. No, your decisions regarding the pandemic have caused this. Your decision to keep kids out much longer than they should have. Right. And I give, I've said the Democratic uh, governor of Connecticut did a much better job than his Democratic counterparts. He got kids back in school at least three days a week in September of 20. And Connecticut performed much, much better. And not only, I mean, it's just, to me, we've seen how many studies have come out now. I mean, teenagers, middle school kids, highest suicide rates ever. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just talking math scores. You throw no, all that I, other stuff into it? Oh my it? God, the abuse these kids suffered because they weren't at school. You know, they were staying Couldn't home. Play no sports. one could report that. Could Parents can't come into the school still. Just a, like just poor decision after anti-science. Poor decision after poor decision. And we've said it. You and I have said it. Others have said it. Early on, you know, the red states were called radical. They're gonna. There's still headlines. Florida's going to kill kids. Well, no, they didn't. You know what? No, they didn't. And that's why DeSantis just keeps winning. He just keeps winning. The second big story that came out was yesterday. Uh, I believe it was yesterday when the New York State Supreme Court ruled that all government employees or city employees who were fired for being unvaccinated are entitled to their job back and back pay. Huge. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to open the huge. I mean, now, of course, every state is different, right? But I mean, does this open the floodgates for yeah, I think so. medical field for, huh. I mean, I mean that's the, the court, thing. the court ruled that it was capricious. It was an arbitrary 
The science didn't support it. I mean, the court just boom, 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 right? How can you force people to get a vaccine that does not prevent you well, from getting- Well, then you have the whole Pfizer thing that came out and, you know, that said they knew, allegedly knew, I'm going to put that word in there. They allegedly knew that it did not prevent transmission, but that wasn't front and center. Of course, they and wanted everybody to get it. Well, and then, you know, you know. And of course, and, and you so. saw this, I'm sure, you know, I don't know if it was Pfizer. And listen, or- I'm glad people got the vaccination because you know what? I think we would have had a lot more people done. I was pro-vax and pro-vax. So don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, but this theory that, you know, they didn't say it, if you got... Quote, if you got the vaccination, you would not get COVID. That's what Joe Biden said. 100% CDC. And then it unraveled and it more unraveled and it more. And then now you're telling people to get boosters. Well, why? Let them make their own decision. Let them make their own medical decision. Because you know what? Getting a booster doesn't help anybody else. Right? You know. Right. It so, saves your life. It saves your life if you're immune compromised, if you're older. Okay. You know. You know, are they trying to claim that somehow it'll put pressure on the, you know, the medical? Oh, I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, whatever? Uh, and then <laughs> it's, you know, a lot of people feel the way you feel. And, and it's so, I just don't know why they don't. And, and the Republicans do this too. But, you know, they never apologize. They never backtrack. They no. never, they never Well, it's like say, the elect, listen, this isn't, this is about COVID and health. But look at the, all the election deniers. They spin it. They're, they're, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, it was just a couple people. Oh, Trump. Oh, same thing for, you know, shame on yeah. them also, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, last thing really, on politics. Okay. New York governor's race. Kathy Hochul, who was the lieutenant governor, who stepped in when Andrew Cuomo was, um, you know, resigned due to some controversial issues okay. in his administration, uh, should easily move toward re-election in a state that's pretty much two-thirds Democratic, uh, is now struggling against Lee Zeldin, who um, more right-wing Trump endorsed candidate, uh, congressman from Long Island, who um, has done a very effective job uh, targeting Kathy Hochul's um, record on crime, the the bail issue we've talked about, the economy, the, the, the state of New York, both state and city, the amount of population that they've lost, the tax bases that they've lost, the taxes they've been charging. And, you know, this this is a race now. This is a race. This is a governor's race that should not have been a race and now might be a race. So Look, I, uh, you've always said you say now like the country's like left of center. I just think the, the country is center. I, I don't believe it is left of center. I think I, well, publicly, I, when I say left of center, I think on some I think some social issues. People don't care if you're gay. They don't care. No, anymore. But, but what I'm saying is about, I think I, I think I think more people have moved into the. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care. If I don't you care what you are. What identify, you, you know, as a, as a male or a female. I think that has moved to the left. More people have moved to totally, the left. Totally, totally. I do believe on crime, economy, just 
you know, Abor- you know people the, are left on abortion. The problem there's is these though- issues when you look at them, right? And I've said this before. I think the left more than the right. They they want to squash debate on some of these issues, right? If you if you believe that people can identify whatever sex they want, fine. If you don't believe that um, a, a, a transgender woman should be able to play biological female sports, they'll call you names, right? Or other some other of these social or cultural issues. And I think that the Democrats in this election have been their mainly their 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 focus has been on cultural issues, and I think most Americans sit back and say, "There's degrees of everything, right?" And it, this isn't no, you know, this isn't black and white. This is there, there's a lot of gray area on a lot of these issues. And at the end of the day, you know, here's what I think. But what's most important to me is the economy, inflation, you know, my grocery bill from one week to the next. And um, and I've said this for the last month. If not for Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs ruling, I think this would be an unbelievably landslide, landslide red wave. I think the abortion pulled the Dems back a little bit and um, that, you know, that may save them some seats and it it may, and, and I will say not great candidates on the Republican side have helped them as well. Um, anything else okay. with politics? Okay. Okay. Let's, let's sh- <laughs> shift gears. It's, it is interesting though. I mean, cause it I is. do think everybody's talking about it. Um, let's shift gears to sports. Um, yes. obviously we're in the world series, you know, uh, run here. Um, okay. Bryce Harper. I mean, dude's yeah. get, dude may get his ring after all. Um, he may, I mean, Houston's go. So Houston Philly starts Friday night on Fox. Um, of course, how do we know Houston isn't cheating? I thought you had a great tweet <laughs> we, out. How do we know? I mean, they're such cheaters. Like, how are yeah, they, how are the they fact, in the World Series the again? That, the fact that none of those players, we're talking about the 2017 Houston cheating scandal. Um, just the fact that those players got off unscathed is just, is just you know terrible. But let's assume they're not cheating anymore. Dusty Baker, who's their manager, has never won a World Series. He's a Hall of Fame manager, so it'd be it would be nice for him to win a World Series. I'm personally rooting for the Phillies because I've worked there. I know people there. Um, Bryce Harper. Hey, why did Bryce uh, Harper leave the Nats several years ago? Why was that? Well, Money. Oh, okay. He was a free agent. Money. Okay. I thought he really didn't yeah. like DC. It was kind of he the... may not have. I don't know. I don't. Okay. I want. I don't know if that was ever a real thing. Oh, all right. But um, yeah, should should be a good series. Um, you know, I, listen. I still don't love the Major League Baseball playoff format. I don't think teams that only win eighty-seven games should be in the World Series. I think it is what it is. You have a regular season tournament. The Dodgers and were the best team. Houston was the second best team. Then I think you have a three and a half, four week mini tournament, which you want to call the Major League Baseball playoffs. You don't necessarily get the best team. You know, Dodgers are out. Yankees, who won almost 100 games, are out. The Braves, who won 100 games, are out. The Mets, who won 100 games, are out. Or are out. Um, so, but it is what it is. And um, so you got that. Commanders. 
I love the, the a check bounced for a 50-50 raffle know. winner. <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> like uh, they can't get their cash together. That was crazy. So this 50-50 raffle winner that was like a season $14, ticket holder. $14,000, yeah. And, you know, he had to wait two weeks to get his check. Well, that's not, to me, that's not surprising. That's almost every major no, organization. Yeah, takes a while, right, to cut a check. So, okay, fine. He finally gets his 50-50 check. He goes to cash it. And then he gets charged $15 because it didn't pay. Of course, the commanders say they just had a bank transfer issue. What are your thoughts? Uh, listen, I think it's embarrassing, typical commanders, but uh, stuff happens like that, right? So I think if it wasn't the commanders, no big deal. Okay. Uh, you know, they they won. They beat the lowly Packers. The Packers are struggling. Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. Sh- should have stayed retired. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, well, so I'm sure you, I don't know if you follow TikTok, but there is a theory that Giselle Bunchen is a witch and she has taken back <laughs> her powers. So Tom Brady is losing. I like that theory myself. I think that's actually probably accurate. I um, agree. That's why they say he looks so bad because she has taken back her pa- her powers. She's kind of sucked some life out of him. I don't know if he. Lo- I don't know if he looks bad. I think he'll be fine as well, Giselle. But uh, you know. From a Tom Brady standpoint, you'd rather be him right now because his pack, uh, his Buccaneers are three and four, but they're still in first place. Where the Packers are, I believe, three games out because the Vikings only have one loss. So you'd much rather be Brady right now than Rodgers. I also think you'd like to be Brady because you've won, you know, seven Super Bowls and Rodgers only won one. And, uh, but I think this is Rodgers last year with the Packers. I think he'll go somewhere else to try to win because it looks like the Packers are on a downturn. Uh, we'll see what Brady does. Commanders beat the Packers, so now they're three and four as well. They have the Colts this weekend. Uh, the controversy around Snyder and that momentum, haven't heard much in the last week. We'll see where that heads. Uh, so, you know, that, that's your, your, your kind of your, your sports rundown. Dan getting excited about the world cup. Oh, I mean, please, you know, our Thanksgiving is, is scheduled around the game schedule. So we have to don't celebrate Thanksgiving. I mean, you eat tofu. Oh, because he has a mushroom loaf. That's that's not Thanksgiving. Who's thankful for a mushroom loaf? (laughs) So what do you like that? Listen, you're thankful for your, your, your child. You're thankful for you each other as as and your family great you're not celebrating and then we dine over a mushroom loaf yeah with a, ve- a vegetarian gravy <laughs> oh all about it wait there was one more thing i was oh oh so you guys just launched last thing you launched a 3 p.m yeah. show called the dmv's uh, the dmv zone dmv zone Oh, of course, I so love Mar- Marina Morocco. Marina Morocco, who you love, and Joe Claire. He's amazing, uh, too. Very funny I- comic. Iconic radio uh, entertainment personality in Washington, D.C. Uh, and then a lot of other contributors, like you know, reporters come in, contributors come in. You know, Kevin McCarthy's part of it. Um, Chad Ricardo and Katie Barlow and... Uh, and what is on this and show on and on. about? Because we have Lion okay, so, Lunch, we have Lion Lunch Hour now. So what is this show? So so let, let me step back for a second, real quick. So for those of you who who do watch, you know Fox Five has, you know, as you know, Sarah, because you're on a bunch of the shows, 
over the years, you know, with syndicated programming, which is programming we buy from syndicators to air in certain time periods, that has diminished. Creating your own content is king. And Fox 5 has done a fantastic job uh, at creating original, in in many cases, non-news programming, like Like It or Not, our, our third hour of Good Day, or second hour of Good Day, I should say, uh, and, and other stuff. So as you know, Lion Lunch Hour, which we started in September, 11 a.m. has done fantastic. Marissa uh, Mitchell and Aaron Como host. So now we created this last... This past Monday, we launched the DMV Zone. So think of TMZ. Okay. A little more newsy. Okay. Still fun. Shot in the newsroom. Okay. Kind of like TMZ does, but live, right? Which is hard. Very TMZ's hard. TMZ's taped. I mean, we love our TMZ friends, uh, but they, and they do a fantastic job. But their show is taped and edited. Yeah, and you nicely. get a second chance, you know, if right. you don't. Yeah. Right. So we don't. So it's live. It's raw unscripted for the most part um just talking about all kinds of topics fast-paced and different it's just different and monday again one day but it launched at number one in the time period at three o'clock i saw that uh, that's in cute. total viewers adults 25 54 adults 25 64 women it absolutely crushed so judge judy leads into it it almost doubled up uh, I'm sorry, almost had a 50% increase wow. from what Judy's audience was and actually led to our 4 p.m. news, which obviously is the is the, the show that comes out of it, uh, to a record number of viewers at 4 p.m. In the, on the one. Now, again, one day. We'll see what yesterday was in a, in a few hours. Um, and it's, it's seven days. I mean, it's five days a week. Five right? days okay, a week. Okay. So now Fox 5 is up to almost 90 hours a week. Patrick Paolini going to be at 150 uh, hours of programming a week. <laughs> Listen, I, I applaud, and I don't say I this like love it, Patrick. All, kidding, all kidding aside, I applaud our news managers, our creative service team, our technical team, our, uh, our all our news writers, producers, assignment desk folks. Uh, it is nonstop. It is nonstop for a local TV station to be putting out almost 90 hours of original content a week. It's just unheard of. Yeah. It's a lot. And, it's amazing. Most of it very successful, <laughs> which is great. So what you make, I mean, I, I think Patrick, you really do deserve a lot of credit and so does your whole team because you know, of all the news, local news stations, and even like out here in LA, when I watch, you know, nobody is as fun as Fox five and Everybody working there, like on camera, really loves it. You know, I, I love looking forward to doing Like It or Not on Tuesday nights because Jim, they just, they're fun. Oh, they're yeah, funny. Fun. They're great. Fun. And they just, you really have something unique because And I watching- will say that, you know, again, that's, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's really, truly a team effort. Um, I think it is also, you know, pre-COVID was one thing. I think COVID was very difficult for most newsrooms in this country, in particular ours, you were in our old building. They were in the basement, no one else yeah. in the building, no windows. It, it was, was very depressing. It was a depressing atmosphere. I should say depressing, physically depressing atmosphere, right? They did the best they could uh, through very difficult circumstances. I think kind of 
coming out of that into this new fantastic building was kind of like a rebirth, re-energizing, new shows, very exciting. So you could see the sunshine through through the windows. <laughs> and, it is you true. Know, Your new building's beautiful. You know, yeah. So I don't underestimate what the physical structure. Yeah. The post-COVID environment that they, and thank goodness they had that to look forward to, right? Through, through, you know, through, through, through that. So, um, no, we're very, very happy. You know, still work in progress. You, you still got to put it up every single day. I mean, you know, especially from a technical standpoint, making sure, you know, these shows get on the air and, you know, the glitches and <clears throat> and and the physical toll it takes on the technical equipment. And oh, it's so, still so much work behind this. It's so much. You know, yeah. you think it's easy. I mean, to you put look at what like the view, the view, right? They probably have 250 people putting on an hour show. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, okay, okay, it's national, but that show, we, honestly, we could do that show with twelve people. Like that's wow. how local. That's how local TV adapts and performs, and I don't think local TV gets enough credit for what they put out day in day out. With, they don't, with, and with, and you don't get enough credit because your journalists are actually non biased which I think are. they do a great job. And, and I, you they know, I never think the more you watch it. the national landscape of of of, of thank you how how media leans. Um, I lo- listen. I'm a you know not only because I'm in it, but um, and this isn't just Fox Five. This is most local news organizations. Are very very good. They, yeah, do they don't good have agendas. Job. It's they amazing. Care about the community, yes. and, and you know they want to, and they want to be fair, and you know, no, no pun intended, but fair and balanced. So, uh, so so good for them. So, um, all right, we've all right. talked, well, we've that talked was a for like Victoria's two hours. Victoria's going to absolutely I... kill us. <laughs> poor Victoria. Poor Victoria. Poor Victoria. She's She's like, yeah, I know. I, I have to listen to 80 hours in your program. I have to listen to this Yeah, crap. I know. Uh, where can people follow you? Patrick GM Fox 5 DC. All right, we'll see you next week.